0: An experience guaranteed to satisfy McDowell's Specialty Repair, Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle and & Cook Mortgage, LLC, and Summer's Funeral Home. Every life leaves a legacy. And now here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Skip Hall.
1: Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, this week's edition of Game Plan for Life features Kevin Trout. Kevin is a man of all seasons. Many hats, does an awful lot, uh, not only here in the Treasure Valley, but around the country. So, first of all, Kevin, welcome to Game Plan for Life.
2: Thank you, Skip. Thank you for having me in the studio today. I really appreciate uh, being able to come in and, and give, uh, give a story.
1: Tell your story. That's exactly what we're going to do. So let's go back to the beginning, you know, where you grew up, and let's kind of walk us up until up until now.
2: Okay. Well, down the road from here, there's a little town called Middleton, yeah. Idaho. And Middleton was population 541 back in the day, mm-hmm. many, many days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was a time when you could leave your car or your house unlocked, and I remember my mom this is back in the late fifties. My mom would say, "If you kids don't behave, I'm going to lock that screen door, and Santa Claus is not going to come in this house." <laughs> so it was pretty simple. We had a yeah. an old car that didn't have a key, but it had one of those little little Nime, flange a little on it, knob on it. Or you, know, something. you just switch on, and and away we go. Uh, an old forty nine Chevy. Mm. So anyway, uh, I started going to church in the Baptist church when I was a little kid. My mom would drop us off, and and I. Uh, would go down in the basement, and the pastor's wife and daughter would run the Sunday school down there. And I kind of had a crush on the pastor's daughter, (laughs) so I I tried to attend as often as I could as a three- or four-year-old. And by the time I was five, the pastor's wife would end each day, each Sunday. We'd get the graham crackers and the punch. You know, Mm -hmm. that also kept kids coming back. We're going to get the the Kool-Aid and the graham crackers. And then she would end by saying... Uh, boys and girls, Jesus is knocking on the door to your heart, mm. and he just wants you to open up and let him in. Yeah. And I heard that week after week, mm. but she never finished saying how that works. How, yeah. does, how do you get that? Yeah. How do I open? And I'd look down my shirt, Skip. Yeah. I'd look down my shirt, and I'd think maybe magically a door, a little door would appear, <laughs> and I could swing it open, because I always saw that little uh, the picture of Jesus, uh, behold, I knock. I stand at the door and knock. Right. And I thought, well, there's, that's probably going to maybe magically happen. I don't know. I had the faith of a child. Yeah. So I couldn't figure yeah. it out. So one day, after weeks of saying this, and I was so charged and so ready because I just knew that I wanted Jesus in my heart at mm. five years old. Yeah. And she said, Jesus is knocking on the door to your heart. He just wants you to open up and let him in. Mm. And the way you do that, is you simply ask him, Mm -hmm. and he comes in. And I thought, this is it. That's it. And I said, yes, I I want that. So that was when I was five. And, of course, uh, some guy showed up one time, an evangelist, and he talked, and he said, anybody that has sin, you know, raise your hand. Well, I raised my hand because I thought, well— you know, I sinned up mm. to within 15 minutes of him saying that probably. <laughs> and so I raised my hand and then he'd say, now everybody who raised their hand, come down here in the front. Mm. And I thought, oh, I, I think I know where this is going. And I, yeah. I don't think I, I, I need to qualify for this again. And he said, now God knows who raised their hand. So, I mean, we all had our eyes closed, but you, God knows. And I thought, well, okay, that's. I better go up just mm-hmm. to be sure I don't get struck by lightning. So I went up, and I ended up getting saved again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to church camp a few times, and that happened again, at church sure, camp. So
1: sure. So I'm pretty well saved. That's, uh, that's good. <laughs> Repeat, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm never afraid to, to say those words again because yeah. I, I never stopped believing. But there's an interesting thing about believing. Uh, the Bible says the demons also believe, and they sure, tremble. sure. With fear. Well, yeah. I always believed. I went off to, to uh, in high school, I, I went away from the Lord quite a ways, mm-hmm. you know, as high school kids will. And I did most of the things that, in the, and in the, by then we moved and we lived in Emmett. And, uh, and my dad ran the uh, Emmett Livestock Commission Company, uh, mm-hmm. the sale yard. And he was an auctioneer and he was good at it and good at people and right. was successful. and And so my life took some twists and turns and I, I got into just a little bit of uh, smoking pot with mm-hmm. some guys uh, on a dare, kind sure. of, and uh, didn't really have much of an appetite for drinking any alcohol, but uh, my thing was uh, I, I would enjoy smoking some pot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one day, um, God, uh, you know, he, he's always watching out for me. And I'm sure for you, too, mm-hmm. he loves us so much. Uh, if, if you don't, by the way, I'll just uh, parenthetically say it, If you don't have children, uh, you don't understand exactly how much God loves you. But when you have a son or a daughter and you really think about how crazy you are about that mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And God says that's uh, magnify that. Times it by about a million, right? And that's you're starting to get close to how I feel about yeah. you, yeah. yeah. And it's just amazing. Yeah, so I'm so good. Um. So God had His eye on me. Uh, I I got uh, stopped one night driving around. Uh, I had bought some beer for this uh, friend of mine, although I was uh, still underage. I looked the part. I looked mm-hmm. older, and mm-hmm. so I bought some beer for this kid. And the cops pulled me over, and they. Said we're taking you in, and we're looking for a fake ID. And I mm-hmm. didn't have a fake ID. I just, mm-hmm. you know, the gal mm-hmm. at the store was trying to cover herself, so she said, "Yeah, he showed me a fake ID." Oh yeah. Well, anyway, long story short, there uh, I got taken in, and they searched my car, and they found a a little uh, bit of like a crosstop. Uh, it's like a it's a like a, a high performance no dose. Mm. And I had it in my wallet, and I had had it in there for a couple of years probably, and, mm. or a year. I didn't even remember it was in there. Well, they found that, and so they arrested me and took me in. And then that when I got out, uh, they said, you know, we'll we'll let you know when we need you. Yeah. And I didn't hear from them again. And uh, I found out later that they, they had uh, destroyed or f- lost the lab results, and so I wasn't going to get charged. But wow. at the time, <clears throat> I felt like it was a real... Defining moment, and I and my grandmother, who was always uh, very saintly, and always had my, my best interest. My grandpa and grandma mm-hmm. were were the you know they they were the spiritual heritage in our family at that time. And and she said, "I'm going to have uh, the youth pastor from the church come over and, and visit you." Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Oh no, don't don't do that. I, I want you know I need to talk to people I can relate to." Yeah. And, so he comes over and he goes. Uh, so what would they get you for? To get you for uh, just some grass or some acid or what? What do you have? And I thought, well, what do you know about that stuff? <laughs> he said, I when I was in high school, I took acid every day of my life. Wow. For for uh, several years, just because I was so insecure and I I didn't, never looked up. I always looked down. Yeah. He said, I can relate to you. And I so I said, okay. And so we started. I started to confide in him and, and go to his house uh, on my lunch break from uh, working at the sawmill. This is after high school now. Yeah, and uh, he got me interested in studying the Bible because he's talking about Greek, the different Greek words, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, the Greeks have like three or four different words for the for love, and they're all mean something right, different. Right. And so uh, I said, I want some of that. I want to find mm-hmm. that out. He goes, Well, go to Bible college. So I went. There, There is where I met my wife. We got mm-hmm. married yep. and um, studied the Bible. Studied. I had straight A's in Greek. Really? I had C pluses in everything else. But Greek <laughs> was such a fascinating You were interested,
1: a passion, oh, a passion for Greek.
2: passion it, for Greek. It's like an, a mechanical language. You take the root word and you add things to the front or to the back, and it changes everything about it. Mm. We have other words that we connect, yeah. like I am, you are, he is. Right. We, you know, we are, you are, they are. They have different l- word endings that do that for them, and I just was fascinated by that, by Greek. And uh, so if any of you uh, people out there are listening and you, and you know Greek, glossos glosestas kala.
1: That's
2: that, Greek to me. That's Greek. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually uh, what it actually is translated, I don't know your language very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so... Um, so now uh, we, we finished as much uh, college as I could take at the time. We moved back to Idaho, uh, brought my, my California bride up here and rescued mm-hmm. her from the, from the wilds of uh, Southern California. Right. That's where she was from. And we uh, started you know, our life together. And at some point, we started to walk, kind of drift away from God Uh, circumstances that weren't really very big, but Mm -hmm. just at the time, it was a little bit of a a hurdle for me or a blockage. And uh, we ended up wandering away from God and then we wandered away from each other and Mm -hmm. then we got divorced. Mm -hmm. Uh, And during that time we were friends, but we were not part of each other's life much. We, we would like, I would help her move if she had to move somewhere Mm because I had to pick up. Uh, She would help me, you know, uh, pick out some stuff to wear so I didn't look like a clown. (laughs) And, uh, we, we, we were friends, we were amicable, but we didn't, uh, we weren't romantic or anything. We just, uh, and that went on for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And then at about eight and a half years, I had gotten back into drugs at that time because belief is one thing. And I'll tell you the, the rest of that, uh, the rest of that formula in just a minute. So stay tuned because mm. uh, I believed in God with all my heart. Right. But there, as I say, there's a missing component there. So here's what happened after that. I uh, got into cocaine, and then I had a fellow come over one day and he said, "Hey, let's cook this." So I said, "I don't know what you're talking about." Mm. So he cooked it, and he said, "Now we smoke this out of a spoon on the on the burner." Mm and uh that's crack cocaine and i started into crack cocaine and i ended up getting really good at it which mm. is not a good thing to be good at no but uh i was clear off the deep end and i started crying out to god after about eight or nine months of being just in this after three or four months i started saying lord i i need your help yeah. i know you have a better life for me and this is not it and i just really believe that satan is pummeling me and i i believe that i'm i'm under a huge attack I need your help, mm-hmm. and my wife, similar cir- circumstances, and she was still my ex-wife. St- she was still um, trying to get out of the same thing in her life, and she ended up getting off of uh, drugs uh, in March of nineteen ninety, mm. and come along uh, with this came along with this book called "The F- uh, This Present Darkness." Yes, and so she was reading that to me, and I was like, "Don't." Don't bother me with that, and uh, she said, "Well, they're going to make a movie out of it. Uh, who would you think would, should be cast in this movie? Well, I was into acting, and I was into theater, and I was into movies and i I'd done a bunch of acting in theater and i I thought, well, this guy should be played by that guy, and this guy should be played by this actor and mm-hmm. I, I started to get into it, and she sucked me into the story, and I started to listen to her read it while I was doing stuff around my little dingy apartment mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, I started thinking, I understand how satan works a little bit better because of this book how he's always trying to get me right and i kept crying out to god and one day i was driving back from a drug deal that had gone bad and i said well there goes my money and Mm -hmm. this voice in my head said yeah the money's gone but you know you didn't get the drugs so you're not any further off uh physically you're not damaged once again, right. And I thought, yeah, that's good. a good. little bright side. You know, I've got my bright side voice in mm-hmm. my head. And then the voice continued on and said, furthermore, you keep asking me for help. And every time I try to help you, you dig your heels in against me. Mm. And I thought, well, that's not my voice. Whose voice is that? It's in my head. Mm. And I said, God, mm. he said, yeah, today's your day. I said, what? He said, I'm holding the door open for you. And if you're not on this side of it, when it swings shut, you're going to really be sorry. And I just, I pulled over to the side of the road. I I remember exactly where I was uh, going on Limp Street and going east. And I pulled over and I sat there and I just broke down and I was emotional. And and, uh, I said, now what? He said, just go home and and we'll go from there. Mm. So I went home and I got down on my knees on the floor in my living room of my little dingy apartment. And... I said, now what? And he said, surrender. Hmm. Ah, surrender. That's something I hadn't done ever. Yeah. And I didn't want it. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to leave open the door mm-hmm. for me to escape out the backyard and, mm-hmm. and, you know, do weird things and play around and be a sinner. And he said, no, I want, uh, basically it was this way. He said, I said, okay, how about this? I'll only do Coke. I won't <laughs> smoke crack anymore. I'll just do... Coat, a little bit of sniff it on free on Super Bowl Sunday and on rafting trips down the Hells Canyon, <laughs> and he said, uh, "Okay, how about this? Who's the one person you love more than anybody in the world, uh, top of your mind?" And I said, top, "Top of my mind, my mom. Yeah, she's always been there for me since I was little, and she, she was a special woman." And I, he said, "Okay, let's say that your mom has cancer." This is God speaking inside my head. Mm-hmm. God God says you let's let's say that she has cancer. It's pretty bad. And it's not going to make it unless I intervene. I'm going to come in and I'm going to do an operation on her. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to get rid of the cancer. She's going to be cancer-free except for just a little just a little bit of mm-hmm. cancer for old time's sake. Just a little like a weekend cancer. And I said, "No." He said, "Why not?" I said, it would spread and it would kill her. Yeah. And he said, exactly. I want you. I want all of you. Mm. I don't want a little bit. I'm not the Avon lady. I'm not knocking at your door to sell you perfume. I Mm. want to come in here and I want to own this place. I want your, I want to be in your life. Yeah. He wants us. He wants us. And so I said, I sat there for a long time. I knew what he had identified in my life that I needed to surrender. And it was my, relationship with anybody that wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't married to. No, uh, it was my relationship with, with uh, cocaine. And it was my uh, ability and desire to try and get an advantage uh, money-wise, get, figure out a way to, to scam the system and get money to do the things I was doing. Mm. And it wasn't right. It was uh, some people call it sharp dealing. Yeah. And I, I, I said, okay, those are the things you want. Those are the things you want me to surrender and he said, yeah. And I thought of every different avenue I could think of all the way from the left to the mm-hmm. right. And the only one that had a light at the end of it was the right down the middle was, was him, yeah. was surrender. And so finally, I thought really hard about it for five or six minutes. That's a long time yeah. to just sit there and be, get clear on something. Maybe it was mm-hmm. 10. I don't know. Finally, I put my hands up like I had a gun in my back. Mm-hmm. And I said, I surrender. Mm. And poof, down on my face, I went, I don't know how. And all of a sudden, I felt this giant hand on my back, just radiating heat out of the middle of my back. And just like that, I knew that I was off coke and I was never going to touch it again. Mm. I knew that he delivered me in that moment of time. And just that instant of time changed my life because I had surrendered. Yep. So I told you earlier, I believed, right. but I had never surrendered. Right. So the demons believe, mm-hmm. but they don't surrender. No. So I did. I surrendered. I got up off that floor and I was a totally different person, Skip. Yeah, yeah. I was never to be the same. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm going to church. Uh every time the doors open, I'm getting as much of God as I can get, yeah. worshiping. Um and um uh then I I got a call. Um oh I, I had just completely changed my life. I got a call, my wife called she she'd been on a fishing boat in Alaska for like Oh, a year. Really? And she called and said, Hey, I'm done with this job. Can you come and pick me up at the airport? I'll be on the 23rd of October. And I said, sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, meanwhile, she'd been, I'd been reading this present darkness. And then I got finished with that and started reading piercing the darkness mm-hmm. and just kept, kept thinking about everything in life as the spirit, the natural and the spiritual. Right. So, uh, she showed up and she said, uh, you know, what uh, What do you think of this? What do you think of us trying it again? Mm. Getting back together. And I said, well, uh, gosh, uh, I don't know. Because yeah. I did know, because God had been speaking to me. Oh, here's the other thing. I said, now that I'm all straightened out, Lord, this is before she'd called. Mm-hmm. I want a wife, and I want to be married within six months. Mm. And God said, yeah, I got just the woman for you. And I said, now, wait a minute. Let's just be clear. No ex-wives. Right. He said, your wife has all those things on your list. Right. I said, what list? What are you talking about? And he goes, you got a list in your wallet. Right. I said, no, I'm pretty sure I don't. Mm. He said, get your wallet out. I'll, I'll just wait for you to, to, li- to look at it. And I got it out, and I just cleaned it. I every, took everything out of my wallet. Every single note, scrap, receipt, everything I had, punch card. And I found this piece of paper that was folded in half so smashed together that it looked like a single piece of paper. Mm -hmm. So I pried it apart. I looked on it, and it said, The Seven Attributes of My Perfect Wife. Mm. And that was uh, something I had apparently written like a year and a half ago, sitting around with a bunch of friends, and we were talking about the perfect woman. you know. And I Mm -hmm. said, Well, I know. I I just was doodling on there, and I just wrote down these seven things. Mm -hmm. And God said, Your wife is all those things. And Mm, I thought, you know, I just realized he called her my wife, not my ex-wife. Wow. We'd been divorced for almost nine years, Kip. Mm, Wow. So uh, a lot of things came together and a lot of things happened in that time. Uh, Amazing, dramatic things uh, that, uh, you know, the show's not long enough for me to get into. But six months, almost to the day, Elaine and I were getting remarried to each other. Oh, wow. After nine years. Powerful. Yeah, oh, wow. and I went through the changes I went through in, in my mind to get me to be able to do that, because there's one thing I wasn't going to do. I wasn't going to be married to my ex-wife, oh. and the one thing I did, the one thing I did <laughs> was get married to my ex-wife, yeah. and it was all how God just seasoned me and provided in my, you know, my in my brain and my thoughts, my thinking, wow. my patterns. Uh, I got a hold of a book called "If Only He Knew" by Gary Smalley. Yep. And I, I read that Gary's probably a friend of yours. Yep. He was a friend of mine too. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a, what an amazing author and an amazing man yep. uh, about as ADD as I am. He told me one time, he said, you you'll never be able to achieve the things in your life that you want to achieve unless you have people around you that can do the things you're not good at. Right. And it was one of the things he, he uh, yep. said to me, but uh, I read that book and it gave me the tools to put my marriage back together one piece at a time. Mm-hmm. And God was just there the whole time and and showed me things. And it it, it went into my brain in such a way that I could just about quote uh, large portions of that book. But mm-hmm. the major thing was men initiate behavior and women respond to that. That's the, the dynamic of yeah. men and women, yeah. is men initiate, women respond. If you don't like the way your wife is behaving, it's probably your fault for not treating her right look in the first in the place. Mirror. Yeah. And in fact, I thought about that and I thought, you know, if you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, a lot of guys will say, uh, I just need to get a new mirror. No, you just need to change who's looking <laughs> at it. That's exactly right.
1: <laughs> well, Kevin, what a powerful story. And, you know, as you shared your story, the, the hymn kept coming back to me. I surrender all. Oh, yeah. I surrender all. And that's what you did and now look what's going on you're married again to your wife and uh and you're doing some powerful ministry stuff and i want you we've got about five minutes left i want you to share what you're doing now and how you're helping
2: people and so let's let's have that uh okay uh well one of the things that uh was impressed upon me was a fellow called me uh so at the time this all happened i was doing windshield repairs Mm-hmm. And I had a little company. And, and in fact, I still have the company, still do work in it. Um, but um, I uh, went out to this guy's place and this little girl answered the door and she said, oh, he's not here. He's at another house. And I said, oh, she said, yeah, he's, he doesn't live here anymore. Well, it just had happened apparently because I had his address. And uh, I said, well, do you have any way of me getting a hold of him? She said, I'll go get his number. She comes back with a happy birthday napkin, little Mm -hmm. kid happy birthday napkin, with, in crayon, his phone number written on it. Mm -hmm. Just broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this little girl's dad isn't here. So I went to this guy, and uh, I fixed his windshield, and I said, hey, you know what? I just finished reading this book. It's called If Only He Knew. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating book. Mm -hmm. I'd like to make it a gift to you, Mm -hmm. and uh, I want you to read it, and I want you to see what, what God does through this book. Yeah. And then I said, uh, he called me a month later, and he said, hey, I just finished reading this book, and I'm back with my family.
1: Yeah, wonderful.
2: And I thought, well, I need to get a bunch of those books and just have them ready. Pass them out. I've gone through over 500 of those books. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty powerful. That's that's powerful. So If Only He Knew by Gary Smalley, and it's written by a man for men, and Mm -hmm. if you're a man, get it and read it. Even if you're having a good relationship, it'll make your relationship so much better. Give it to your husband yeah. Christmas. Give it to your would-be son-in-law before he takes your daughter's (laughs) hand in marriage.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Well, (laughs) Kevin, I know you're doing a whole bunch of other stuff, and, and we don't have enough time to go through it all, but... Hit the highlights of what you're doing now.
2: Okay, well, empathy is one of my greatest descriptors. And empathy is a good thing to have if you want to be a fundraising uh, auctioneer and mm-hmm. a, a consultant for nonprofits. And that's what I've been doing for about the last decade in yeah. earnest is I've been uh, putting myself out there. Uh, Boise Benefit Auctions, uh, I find uh, people find me and they call me and say, can you come into our fundraiser? And no matter what it is, there's always something that will appeal. Yeah. So my core belief is, if the if the why is clear, the how will present itself. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I can communicate that and get people to, to give money mm-hmm. to a cause that's great. Mm-hmm. And my favorite one would have to be uh, foster children getting mm-hmm. to go to camp and, be, and being in uh, like a Royal Family Kids camp or yep. a camp similar to that. Uh, my newest thing is uh, when COVID hit, I couldn't do fundraising, so I became a realtor. And now mm-hmm. I have uh, KevinTroutRealEstate.com mm-hmm. Um, my fundraising arm is kevintrout.com mm-hmm. or boisebenefitauctions.com. Two T's on trout. Two T's on the end of trout, three total. <laughs> the extra tail fin at the end. i always remember that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing that and I'm uh, loving my wife and loving my son. And now my two little grandkids, my uh, son and his wife, uh, have. Couple grandkids, and my wife and I are having the best time ever. Yeah, just yeah. loving it. I have just 31 years now that we've been back together, and oh, it's just been great. That's so
1: good. That's so good. So, well, Kevin, uh, unfortunately, we're about out of time today, but uh, maybe we'll have you come back and share some more. But uh, your story is powerful. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for what you're doing for a lot of people. Thank you for passing those books out and what a difference that's making in the lives of those families but uh yeah that's just so good so
2: if anybody has a a, a dire situation where you think it's just there's no hope yeah. there is hope yes, there get is. get a hold of me if you want to and and I'll be happy to to spend some time talking with you and and relating it happened to me I know it'll happen to you yeah yeah well yeah, that's great kevin um
1: i want to end the show by wishing everybody listening today a very merry christmas you know jesus is the reason for the season let's let's not lose sight of that and it's because of stories like yours kevin that you know that that people can face life and they can change circumstances and and it's it's so good so god bless you thank you so much for being our guest today on game plan for life thank you skip
0: game plan for life with skip hall is brought to you by the following sponsors Hollingshead Eye Center, see the difference experience makes. Christian Brothers Automotive, Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Dominoes. oh yes we did. Rocket Express Car Wash, it's a blast. Diamond Heating and Cooling, Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust. Canyon County Habitat for Humanity, Zero Res Carpet Cleaning, and Idaho Window Tinting. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. Have a great weekend and remember no game plan, no victory.